If you would, please follow in the reading of the word. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we can ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Father, we come to hear you. Father, we come that your spirit in our inner man would strengthen us for the tasks that are before each and every one of us. That Christ would dwell in us comfortably. And that, Father, in doing so, we would see the fullness of God in each and every one. And that you would do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we could ever think or imagine. Father, what a task. Help us. Help us to bow before you and worship the King. And Father, embrace these great treasures that are your people's. In Christ's name, amen. I shared with you last week that what we are is in, it's called in the Greek language a henna purpose clause. There are five purpose clauses in this text it is a prayer. He is dealing with a contrast between the outer and the inner man. Uh, if you could go look at chapters 4 through 6 of this book, what you see is the outer man. But what you have to understand that that outer man action is coming from the inner man. And that's where we struggle. I see a lot of people right now who know what we're supposed to be doing and God bless them, they're doing their best. But it's obvious they don't understand the riches that are our resources just because we're children of the God. Just for that very simple reason. And yet we see what we're supposed to do and not supposed to do. And we're and you know what? We try. But <laughs> you can't. You can't do it. I was going back through my notes on this as, as I've been studying it over these last few months. When I look at this text, it is a stark contrast between us believers and the rest of the world. I mean, it, I mean, it is day and night contrast. We are rich. We have so much. We have so much in resources, so much in power, and so much in potential. We looked at that in our Sunday school class this morning, that we were saved for one reason. One reason only, to be conformed into the image of Christ. What? Power and resources and riches does that encompass? 
to be loved by God, to be empowered by God, to be indwelt by God, possess what we possess, heirs and join heirs with Christ. That is every believer. What a contrast to the world, huh? The world... You can't help to see the news or to see anything that is going on and not see absolute spiritual poverty. I mean, it's, it's bankrupt. There's nothing there. There is emptiness. There is meaninglessness. And it's everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. There is no peace. None anywhere. Look at the lives of a great philosopher. I won't give you his name because he doesn't deserve it. Made this statement, quote, life must go on. I just can't remember why, unquote. And you know, if you look around, isn't it true? We face people who have absolutely no divine resources. Okay, without divine resources, therefore they have no purpose or meaning. Look, we're here on Sunday. Have you ever thought about this? Here we are. We have come apart from the destitute people who were lost. We who love the Lord Jesus Christ... We the rich, we those with the resources, we who are a part of God's divine plan, each and every one of us. And yet I look around outside and you know what? You never see those people satisfied. It doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what task they're after. It doesn't matter their education. It doesn't matter their job. It don't matter how big their family is, how small their family is. They're never satisfied. But we who are the miracle of the church, here we are separated out of the poverty of the age of this world. The poverty of our world. Our world offers nothing that satisfies Nothing that lasts. Nothing that satisfies or lasts, then what's its purpose? I remember when I was in college years and years and decades ago. As I told you guys that I took philosophy because I figured you can't you can't get it wrong. <laughs> I mean just <laughs> it's philosophy. So it's there's no wrong answer. And I remember a professor saying that the universe is busy making meaning out of meaninglessness. Is that true? We work. Why do we work? What is the meaning? What will it accomplish? You're just going to have some groceries? What are you going to do with that? Oh, you're going to eat it. So what? So you can go work some more. 
And it just goes on and on and on. We have the body of Christ, the church. We have the privilege to be a part of the people with purpose. And the only ones that have purpose in this world. You ever think about how amazing that is? God chose you. How could he see us as useful? We're meaningless. Yet he is the rock in the middle of our meaninglessness. We have a potential for his glory. We have the potential, each and every one of us, to be conformed into the image of his son. We have the resources to accomplish that task. Think about it from this perspective. We are here for his glory. Okay? I remember reading Albert Barnes in Romans, his commentary on Romans, and he said, God will be glorified whether it is your salvation for his glory or your damnation for his glory. So there's still that purpose. Go back to the creation text. First three chapters of Genesis. Remember? Creation in the beginning was without form and void. Guess what? Before your salvation, you know what you were? Void and without form. The Spirit of God removed upon each of us And out of that void, out of that formlessness, out of that nothingness, out of that emptiness, came forth significance. This is all done by God. Something meaningful came out of the void. Something meaningful came out of the formlessness. A new creation in Christ. That's what each and every one of us are. Miraculous creation to be used for His glory. That's what we're here for. How did He see in us the image to be conformed into the image of His Son? I remember uh, reading a story about a sculptor and he'd taken a big block of marble and they wanted him to do a bust of Abraham Lincoln. So he chipped away and chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. And when he got done, here's this exact replica of, of the head of Abraham Lincoln. So he calls the lady in to clean up his mess. Okay, all the blocks of marble have been chipped off and all the rest of it. She comes in and she looks at it and it's It's beautiful. She said, how did you get the head of Lincoln out of that block of marble? He said, it was easy. He said, easy? Yeah, you just take off the parts that ain't Lincoln. That's what's happening with you and me. God is taking off the parts that aren't Jesus Christ. 
How did he see us conformed in to the image of his son? Well, it's easy. It's for his glory. Then he showered his riches on each and every one of us for eternity. The riches of his glory, the riches of his mercy, the riches of his grace. And remember, it's according to his wealth. How much does he have in mercy? How much does he have in grace? How much does he have in glory? That's what these first three chapters of this book are. This is what we have. We have been chiseled out from the rock of meaninglessness. He made us into the image of His Son and Savior, Jesus Christ. But He's not done there. He pours on us His riches. It's according to His wealth. How much does He have? That's who we are. Can you listen? That's a reality. That exists now. Regardless of what your actions are, it's there. Four to six is how we live according to those riches. But I've shared with you that we are on the bridge that is between these two sections. These are the riches and these are how the riches look. How do I get from these are the riches to this is how the riches look? We are at that bridge. And it comes in the form of a prayer. And that's what we're looking at. Because see, the Apostle Paul knows that you and I can't get this. We can't engage this unless God does it. So he prays. And I shared with you that you you can look at this prayer and you can see the conscience of a man. Of the man who wrote it. It's what I tell young people when they're getting thinking about getting married, the most intimate thing that you can do is pray together. Okay? Because you're, you're not fooling anybody. You're praying to God. You can't put on a show. And everybody says, well, you know, I don't want to pray in public because, you know, I'll, I'll probably screw it up. You will. That ain't the issue. The issue is to commune with God. That's the issue. So he can show you more and more and more of his glory. I see the conscience of Paul in this prayer. Again, I told you that it's a henna. It's a henna of progression. All right. And what I'm trying to get at here, these are purpose clauses. And what it is, is that they're in in a row so that you do this purpose, then this is going to happen and this purpose, and this is going to happen, and this purpose, and this is going to happen. And it started off, and we looked at this a couple weeks ago, is the inner man, strength. Strength in that inner man. All right? Look at the world today. See the disaster that is everywhere? And I don't care. It doesn't matter. But they don't have any resources. I think about the church. And I think, wow, but why won't she use them? And what I'm finding is is that a lot of Christians don't know their position in Christ. Most Christians, if you ask them, why did God save you? So I go to heaven. Nope, ain't why. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Nice benefit. All right. But he saved you so that his glory would be manifested in the image of his son in you. That's why he saved you. Now then, stop and think about that for a second. How well are you doing with that? And then think about how in the world could you do that? How in the world can I be in the image of Christ on my own energy? And I don't care if you've got all the information. You can have every piece of theology that we have in existence, but you can't energize it. So you see this progression, the inner strength. Okay, that God would grant you strength in the inner man with power from the Holy Spirit. All right? Then we had the indwelling Christ. The marvelous, miraculous love is next. Then you have the infinite fullness and then internal power. Okay, verse 16. According to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. It's actually the might by His Spirit in the inner man. Okay, now, I shared with you, I'm just going to touch these verses quickly. I'm not going to spend time with them. Um, Every Christian has the Holy Spirit, period. All right? If you do not have the Holy Spirit, guess what? You're not a Christian. I mean, you might be a moral person. You may even memorize your Bible. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not a believer. I gave you verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. If you have the Holy Spirit, what are your resources? See what I mean? You can have this information, but I need to plug into the resources. And I, listen, I'm smart enough to say, if the Apostle Paul says I need to pray about this, then I probably might want to pick up on his lead. What do you think? And you want me to make it easy on you? How strong are you in the inner man? I can give you one verse. Philippians 4. Be anxious for nothing. How you doing? When you have anxiety or worry or something like that, you know what you're saying? You're operating in your own strength. Because he says, Be anxious for nothing but through prayer and supplication and petition, make a request known to God. The God of peace will give you the peace To guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. How do I get there? That was easy. That's the praying part. The praying part. Okay. So, if I've got anxiety, then I know that I don't have any strength. Which means that I'm doing it on my own. I might have the bits and pieces of information, but I'm trying to do it myself. The Bible says be anxious for nothing. So, I'm going to quit worrying. Yeah. How's that work for you? That's step one. 
that takes you inner strength by the power of the Holy Spirit. I told you that the Word of God must dwell you richly. You renew your mind daily. That's the strength. Holy Spirit energizes it. And that brings up the second one. That strong inner man will result in something. All right? It says that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. It's going to take me two weeks to get through this. Okay, I shared with you the problem with this text is that we have the word dwell. All right? And we don't get it. Okay? Kata kasadai. Kata cast aside. Okay, I told you that kata means down. All right? Cast aside is to be at home. So it's a southerner. Down home. All right? Well, that's not exactly how it works. Anytime in the Greek language you put a preposition in front of a verb, that preposition intensifies it. All right? So it's at home, but it's intensified. So it means it's really, really at home. I'm talking settled at home. All right? When that inner strength is there, because the Word of God is dwelling richly in you, you're renewing your mind, you're meditating on His Word daily, when that's all happening, you're really walking in the Spirit. You are controlled by the Spirit. You have yielded to the Spirit. When you do that, guess what? You're energized by the Spirit. Listen. The word dwelling means absolutely comfortable. Now listen. I told you that if you're a believer, then you have the Spirit now. Okay? If you have the Spirit, guess what? It means you got Christ. All right? Many believers today have Christ, but He ain't comfortable. See, a believer has Christ in our life. The question is, until the Spirit of God controls my life, He's not comfortable. He hasn't settled. He's, he's always up cleaning. He's always in there fixing the mess. Picking up the mess. So he isn't comfortable. Now this one's... <laughs> I see this a lot. And, and, and I, I think it's part of women's nature. More so than men. Okay. The women want to clean up the house so they can relax. Men don't really, I can relax. I don't care what I'm sitting in, right? (laughs) But women, I've never understood that. I've got to clean it up to relax. And you're like, why? It's why, I don't know. You know, I remember generations of people have tried to get me to make up my bed when I got out of it. And then, well, I'm going to get back in it. Why do I make my bed? 
you know, I'm just going to mess it up again. Okay, but, you know, well, women have this, well, if I clean it up, then I'll be able to relax. And I'm sitting there going, no, then you'll go to bed because <laughs> you'll be tired. Listen, this is similar to our experience with Christ. He wants to clean it up so he can relax. He enters into the life of a believer and he finds that when he enters the life of the believer, guess what? The work is not all done. You, he can't just settle down. He can't be at ease and comfortable so that he can just commune with the believer. Because he's busy cleaning up the place. All is not right. Therefore, the resources cannot be released. He's busy cleaning. See, I see people ask these questions at times. And the question is, is, is not, is Jesus there? Okay, the question is, is he comfortable there? That's the issue. That's the struggle that each and every one of us have. It's not about how am I going to be saved. It's how comfortable now that I'm saved is Christ. So many believers today, he is not comfortable. He's busy cleaning. So guess what? If he's busy cleaning, then what is the energy that that believer is working in? His own flesh. My own strength. And you can tell it. You can tell it. Listen, I'll give you a little heads up. In some lives, and I'm talking believers, the process of his cleaning is painful. The writer of Hebrews says he chastens those that he loves and scourges his children. You know what scourging is? That's the same thing they do to Jesus. They take a whip with several leather straps on it and they'll put a piece of bone or a piece of metal in the end of it tied in a knot and they whip you with it to rip the flesh off. Okay? And it says, He scourges some of us. You know what that means? Sometimes His cleaning is painful. Whether you like it or not. Do you remember? I don't even know if they used to, they still make them anymore. Remember they used to have those steel wool pads that had the soap stuff in the middle of them? I don't know if they still use them. I've got a bunch of steel wool that I use in the shop, but it's, don't have no soap in it. <laughs> okay? But they, you, but I tell you what, man, you throw that down on a pan. When I was single, you would, I would collect my dishes over the month. And, and then when both sinks were full, 
then I would get in, break out the steel. You guys are laughing at me, and I know that you're all guilty of it. <laughs> well, maybe not them women. I already clarified that one. But, but, you know, when both things are full and you realize there's nothing in the cupboards anymore, but you could take that steel wool and hot water, buddy, and I don't care how long that food was on that pan. It's coming off. Right? And it did take, look at there, that's all brand new. Okay? There's times when Christ is so uncomfortable, he breaks out the steel wool. And you can tell those believers that are under it because they just ain't really that happy. They are being scoured. Okay, now I want to give you an illustration of this. You don't have to turn to it. You can go look at it on your own a little bit later. It comes out of Genesis chapter 18 and Genesis chapter 19. This is Abraham. Remember, God's made him a promise. You're going to have so many kids, it's going to be like sands, right? And you will have a son. I'm going to give you a son. Okay. Now, he's getting up in age, and Sarah's getting up in age. And he's already... If you go look at Abraham's life, and you see when he leaves Ur of the Chaldeans, up until the time that he actually is willing to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice, God took that time and scoured him. To where the writer of Hebrews could call him the father of what? Faith. Well, let me tell you how much faith old Abe had. He got ready to leave. He said, I'm going to take you, take you someplace. I ain't going to tell you where, but just get going. He didn't have any children, so what did he do? He took Lot with him. His nephew. Why? Got to keep the line going. Right? But you can see that and through Abraham's life in different situations, God kept proving his faithfulness to Abraham until it came to a point. He says, I want you to sacrifice your son. He said, all right. And then we find out later in Hebrews that God, that Abraham believed he could raise him from the dead. And you're like, is that just a normal thing? You know, if somebody dies, just raise him from the dead. It's not really that big a deal. But during that course of his life, he what? Now, you know what? If he, somebody told me in my 90s that I was going to have a child, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to file a complaint. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you. I don't care how old I'm going to live. I'm just filing a complaint. I, no, 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 no. You got the wrong address here, guy. But anyway, he did it. Anyway, he told Abraham he was going to bless him with a son. Now listen, this you people miss this. Do you understand that Isaac is the first child of the Abrahamic covenant? That's kind of important if you think. Do you understand that Isaac being the first child of the Abrahamic covenant is the ultimately going to lead to Christ, the messianic covenant? So that's all the same one. I mean, if you really wanted to look at it, Isaac is the first real Hebrew. The first real Jew. A child by God to begin a people of God. Isaac. 
Isaac's birth was the beginning of the Messianic line. All right? Kind of crucial. And, you know, old Abe, you're going to have a kid. You're going to have a kid. This is amazing if you think about it. God was going to make a pre-incarnation. Did you know that in chapter 18 of Genesis? We always talk about Jesus Christ incarnate, right? God incarnate. You know who showed up one other time? To Abraham in Genesis 18. Jesus shows up and he's got two buddies with him. Two angels. Where do they arrive? Abraham's tent. I know just how this works. They show up at Abe's house. Here's God incarnate. Two angels. Oh, Abe go in and say, Sarah, we got company. Kind of important. God's here. Even in Hebrews 13, it tells us to be careful who we uh, entertain. They could be angels, and it's reference to this text. Okay? God incarnate shows up at Abraham's tent, his house, and he had fellowship with him and Sarah. This tells me that God was comfortable there. Think about it for a second. He had been with Abraham during this whole course of time, watching Abraham's faith grow. He was growing him, and guess what? He was comfortable enough when he showed up here that he could go in and be with them. There was something right there. All right? They were in God's purpose and his plan. And that means that God was comfortable. So he came in with them. Okay? Read chapter 19. Lot was living in Sodom. All right? The Lord's got another plan. He's going to destroy Sodom. But the Lord wanted to warn Lot to get out. I'm getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, okay? But you notice something there in chapter 19. The Lord sends two angels to Lot. The Lord didn't go. The Lord stayed with Abraham and Sarah. He didn't go himself. When I read that, in light of this text out of Ephesians, Christ comfortable. I can tell you assuredly that he was comfortable in Abraham's house. He was not comfortable in Lot's house. All right? Now listen. This is important that you get this. It is obvious that if he sends the two angels to warn Lot, that God had a relationship with Lot. If he didn't have a relationship with Lot, guess what? Torch it. 
Remember, he, he did have, if there's 50 there, well, maybe not there. If there's 10 there, hey, hey, if there's anybody there, righteous before you destroy it. Remember that conversation, didn't we? He had a relationship with Lot. Okay, now listen, this is so true of us. Everyone in this room right now who is truly saved, we have a relationship with Jesus Christ right now. You've got it. But it doesn't mean he's comfortable. It doesn't mean he's comfortable. Now, to me, this could be my, just purely my opinion. To me, this seems like it's important. Maybe it's just me. But you have the relationship with Jesus Christ. But is he comfortable? Because to me, that seems kind of important. But remember this. When you are strengthened by his spirit in the inner man, what happens? Jesus Christ is comfortable. That's amazing to me. Because he's already told me that I have the riches of his glory. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. I have the riches of his mercy. I have the riches of his grace. Those are already my possessions. They belong to every child of God. And when I take my little old pea brain and I dwell on his word richly... When I renew my mind constantly, when I take the things that I have been dwelling on his word from in, in, dwelling on from in his word, then I meditate on it. That means I keep chewing on it. I keep chewing on it. My uh, cousin, husband had a stroke. Very Sounds like a dandy. I'm just going through emails to get with her. And anyway, she called me or texted me and asked me to pray. And I've been praying for him. And uh, and her, she she doesn't have very good health either. Um, uh, but but anyway, they did some surgery, and they opened up his head and uh, cleaned out a bunch of blood. And uh, then while they had his head open, they went around and seen if there was any vessels that. Needed to be repaired and all the rest of it. To me, you're sitting there going, what? <laughs> but anyway, that's, <laughs> that's what they did. And then they put it all back together. And so they've been going through the movie right hand, your right arm, your left, and all the rest of it. And he can do that. He can't really talk. But she said that he mouthed, I love you. Uh, there was no words came out, but his, his mouth said it, I love you. So now that, that she contacted me yesterday, and she said that they're moving him to a, um, is it a rehab? I thought rehab is where druggies went. Well, anyway, uh, what, you know what I'm trying to get at. The, he's going to learn, learn to say I love you out loud, I guess. Okay, so that, that's where they're going. And so I, I, I wrote her back. I said, God is totally awesome. He's hearing our prayers. And I said, one that helps me stand is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. 
Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Okay, that's, that's sort of my, my fallback. After my fallback, it's kind of like the last place. That's when, when I'm at the end of my rope, I'm in, I'm in Proverbs 3. Okay? She texted me back. She says, I could not remember where that was. And by God's grace, you sent me it. Okay, cause she was raised in the church. Her family's always been in the church. Um, but she couldn't remember where. She knew the verse, but she couldn't remember where. And so I sent it to her. All right, now I'd like to tell you I was so smart that I knew that's what I was supposed to be doing. But you guys know I'd be pulling your leg. I did it because that's the one that helps carry me. That is what it means to meditate on your word. And I keep bringing it back up. Bringing it back up. It's just, I've shared with you this before. I'm going to share it with you again. It's, it's like chewing a cud. What a cow does. A cow chews and chews and chews, swallows it, then burps it back up and chews it some more, burps it back up, chews it some more, burps it back up and chews it some more. I know you're thinking, that this doesn't seem to fit the Bible. But that's what it is. Okay? And once I let the Word dwell in me richly, Renewing my mind moment by moment, it meditates itself. And it keeps coming back up. At different things, different situations, different circumstances, different individuals. But it keeps coming back up. And when you are strengthened by His Spirit in this, in the inner man, golly, Jesus Christ is comfortable? Jesus Christ is comfortable. When your life is yielded to the control of the Spirit, a little footnote, <laughs> yielded moment by moment. Okay? That's, that's the key. Because it's easy to be yielded at a certain circumstance and then unyield. <laughs> okay? Moment by moment. Then you're living a pattern of the Holy Spirit. And you know what? Christ can settle down and commune with you. And when that happens, you're two steps into starting your engine. Strengthen the inner man. So that Christ is comfortable. It's awesome. And all it takes is to get into the book. Read it. Just read it. Paige's friend couldn't make it last week. She had a funeral for her husband on ex-husband on Saturday. I kind of I didn't expect it. I got it to the house later that afternoon on last Sunday. Paige was on the phone. And uh, she was talking to her. And she said, uh, she wanted to know what you taught on today. She said, I told her, uh, 15 and 16. I said, don't tell her that. Well, what should I say to him? It says, 14 to 21. You know what she's doing? She's reading the book of Ephesians every day. She ain't saved. She'll tell you she ain't saved. She thinks something's happening. 
I like it when people say, I think something's happening. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet, man. <laughs> Hang on tight. There's a reason they put saddle horns on them things. <laughs> okay? But she's just reading it. You don't have to go through and exegete it. You don't have to go through and find out what the homiletic situation is or the syntax of it is. Just read it. Just read it. And Ephesians is a a phenomenal book. It's six chapters. But it it is probably the, the essence of the gospel and your life. With a couple of prayers on in the middle. Just read it. Why? That will help you renew your mind daily. And the Word of God will dwell richly in your heart. And as that is happening, the Holy Spirit will activate it. He will cause you to meditate on it. And as you meditate on it, and as it's activated, guess what happens? Christ gets at home. Settled down. And then guess what? Peace surpasses all understanding. Will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And you'll realize that, you know what? I'm not anxious about anything. Why? It's all His. And I have access to, according to His wealth. According to His riches. How much mercy does he have? We have access to all of it. How much joy does he have? All of it. We have access to it. How much peace does he have? Well, he is the Lord of peace. He, you know, Kuriosabat, you know what that is? Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, you know what the Sabbat is? It's the day of rest. It's the day of rest. That's what it means. It's the Sabbath. Day of rest. All right? Now think about that for a second. He is the ruler of rest. Now, do you want him to be comfortable in you? Because when he is, Guess what? You're at rest. You're at peace. You have mercy. You have the joy that surpasses understanding and you're anxious for nothing. How does that stack up against the world? See? It's worth pursuing. I will look at next week what it means that it is in our hearts through faith. Okay? A living pattern of the Holy Spirit, Christ can settle down. He will commune with you. And He will show you His riches. Let's pray. Father, we come before You, the author and the finisher. Lord, help us. Help us to be a place where You are comfortable and settled down. Wow. Help us. For Lord, we know we are not adequate. Thank you for drawing us today. Thank you for separating us today from the emptiness.
and the meaninglessness of this lost world. I'm drawing us together with your people to see your purpose. Thank you, Father. In Christ's name, amen.